Welcome to the Loft Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message and that it ignites in you a hunger for more of God's presence in your life. All right, so we're going to transition it to Memphis. Can we give Memphis a round of applause? He's actually the, yeah, he's the youngest member that's sharing tonight. And I've had the great privilege of being the young adult's pastor and seeing God flow through this young man and the truth that flows out of this man's mouth. And I'm super excited to, for you guys to hear what he has to say. Here you go, Memphis. All right, thank you, Chris. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Um, so I'd like to take uh, this first part and take a passage out of Psalms, Psalms 23. I'm sure you all know this one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me to the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And this is the most important part. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, thy comfort me. And... Um, that's, 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 a, that's a hard sentiment. It's a hard sentiment to really feel. It's something that we say a lot. It's an embodiment of, some, of a sentence that we always say very often. Uh, bring your sins to the Lord. Bring your burdens. Lay them down. And uh, it, can be something, it can be something that you can say with confidence, but something that you can't necessarily do with confidence. Oh, sorry. It's something that could be difficult to do with confidence. Nothing is impossible. And uh, I think uh, if you guys haven't quite gotten it yet, I'm gonna be talking a little bit about anxiety today. And uh, it's not really something I suffer with the most, but um, I know it is something that is ravaging through people of my generation. Um, I, I know a lot of people who struggle with anxiety. I know. Most likely every person in this crowd probably knows somebody who struggles with anxiety. And, and, it's, and it's rough, it, it's, it's, it's rough. Um, it, can be, it can be hard to trust God in these things. I mean, you look around, you see everything. There's so many things you could be anxious about. I mean, it seems like every other day the world is crumbling apart. I mean, you look on the news, you look on social media, I mean, every, everybody's just, looks like the whole world is melting down. But to worry, to continuously to worry, is to undermine that God is divine and that he is powerful enough to intervene. To continuously wonder is to put yourself in the place of God, to wonder, what am I going to do? What, are, what is A going to do? What is B going to do? What is the government going to do? And it puts those, puts those entities, it puts you in the place where God is supposed to be. Because in the end, it's all up to God's plan. And it's all up to his will. So to say, so to continuously wonder is just to continuously undermine and to doubt. And I know there are a lot of people who struggle with this and a lot of people who didn't choose to, didn't choose to worry like this. And, this. and this is not a condemnation of those, of those people who feel that way. It's just, it's just another way to look at it and a way so a new perspective at it, something that you can bring to God, which I know is more, is more difficult said, more difficult, more easier said than done. <laughs> yes. But um, 
I'd like to close with a, with a specific chapter, specific passage from Matthew, if I can find it in this gigantic Bible. It's Matthew 6, 25 through 27. Oh, I'm not on the right spot. Uh, yes, okay. It says, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat in the body more in the body the raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they do not for they sow not, neither do they not reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? I know that's like old, old, old timey, but what he's basically saying is, which of you, by worrying, can add an hour to your life? And nobody can do that. The only person who can do that is God, and it's all in his plan. So you just, you have to, you have to give that trust. And uh, I can't do that for you. Nobody else can do that for you. That's, that's just, that's between you and God. And... Uh, that kind of wraps up my, what I have to say today. All right, I'll hand this over to Chris. Good job, Memphis. Let's give Memphis another round of applause. Yeah. It takes a lot of courage to stand up here and do that. So I have the pleasure to introduce all these young men tonight. And the next one up is Jeffrey. And let's give Jeffrey a round of applause. <clears throat> Jeffrey has been someone who suits up and he shows up and he's willing to get the work done. He's willing to literally and figuratively dig trenches. And so the thing is, yeah, 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 yeah. People who know him know. Um, and so tonight I'm very proud of you and what God's gonna do through you and what he has to say out of you and just let him do what he's gonna do. Love you, buddy. I feel attacked, Memphis. Anxiety. Uh, no. um, yeah, I'm great at public speaking. Uh, so yeah, for those of you who don't know me, um, I'm Jeff. Uh, I go to uh, Luann and uh, Steve's life group, and I've been going there for a few years. But um, oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, so, where to start? So, uh, for my life story is kind of where I wanted to start. So, I've been uh, a Christian my whole life, and since birth, I've been in in uh, different denominations, different churches. But uh, when I was about ten years old. Uh, my best friend was shot. It's pretty, pretty sad. Uh, he survived, but um, that brought me into a really deep depression, um, and my life kind of became anxiety-ridden, and that spread itself to addictions and just different things you don't want in your life. <laughs> um, and until recently... 
probably the past two years, God has really been turning my life around, putting people in my life to just show me that there's hope that uh, I can't always see. And uh, so, I'm sorry for stumbling. awkward transition, but uh, so kind of the sort of the main point um, of mine is that God has given us everything we need to know to have a relationship with him through scripture. There's not, nothing new that we need to go searching for. It's all in the book and it just putting the time in to learn, have a relationship with God is half the battle. Um, Yeah, uh, so um, one scripture I have is Second uh, Timothy three sixteen through seventeen. Uh, all scripture is given by insp- uh, give, uh, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The name uh, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And we can stand firm in his words and in his promises. Um, Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus is the same t- same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, so some of these are just kind of my thoughts from piecing together scripture and taking aspects from the, uh, the Bible. Uh, if we don't know God's word, we won't know how to respond when various temptations come. We leave ourselves open to deceit and other voices and opinions can take the place of God's word. When we allow other voices and opinions to become more important than God's, our world can start to feel as if it falls apart, uncertainty, confusion, anxiety, etc., start to creep in. It leaves an opening for Satan's camp to slip a word in here or there. And over time, that can have drastic effects on our lives. Uh, Something Tim, oh, hey, Tim. (laughs) Something Tim shared last night at uh, Life Group. Uh, He was talking about how when God cleanses us of sin and impurity and how that's, that's half the battle we still have to put the work in to read the Bible and put goodness back in. Because if you don't, junk will slowly slip in and take the place of what God intends to be there. Uh, If we aren't deliberate about spending time in his word and spending time with him, other things will inevitably, uh, inevitably take his place uh, of, okay, I already said that. <laughs> um, uh, 
God's word is so important because when we don't let God's word be the ruler of our lives, we are left defenseless when the enemy comes. Uh, when we don't equip ourselves with the truth of who God is, we are also neglecting to have a relationship with him. He is the word, so in order to know him, you have to have a relationship with him. We must start with understanding who he is uh, when we know who he is and who we are in him, we can effectively serve the kingdom. I have so many different notes. Uh, I'll, I'll just leave us off with a, a quote um, that I really like. It's by uh, C.S. Lewis from his Mere Christianity radio thing. Uh, God made us, invented us as a man invents an engine. A car is made to run on petrol, and it would not run properly on anything else. Now God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn, or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it is just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. God cannot give us a happiness and a peace apart from himself, because it is not there. And I would like to leave you just with a, a question. Uh, does God hold the highest priority in your heart? If not, what is holding that place? All right. So I have the other pleasure to introduce Mr. Josiah here. And yeah, I'm excited to hear what you got to say. I'm very proud of you also. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Okay, so just a forewarning. I wrote everything I wanna say down, but I might not say it, and I just have it here to keep me on track. So, because I get off track easily. Jeff knows, we went to school together. Um, but yeah, what I wanna start with is, I guess, just a little brief uh, story of my life in the last five years. Um, some of you may have noticed that in the last year or so, I just had come back to church. So I kind of want to talk about that and explain, explain myself. No, <laughs> but I want to explain what God did for me in that time. And yeah, so I'll just start off. I didn't write a good transition for myself. It's just five years ago, but let's do it. Um, oh, also, I want to say hello to our visitor. He doesn't come by often, but that would be Jack. So shout out to Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Who's Jack? Yeah, he's right there. He comes by every once in a while. It's weird. <laughs> no, if you don't know, everybody probably knows, but Jack has been trapped in California this whole time. Yeah, Bakersville for like six weeks? How long? Okay, four. Okay, it felt like six. Yeah, yeah, it was a long time. Okay, so five years ago, this is just to preface, I was, it's about a year after, or maybe just right after I got out of high school, and I found myself in a place where I felt lost. Like, to say it plainly, I felt lost. I didn't have the connection I had with the people that I had before and a lot of things in my life were crumbling down in my personal life. Not everybody around me 
my family stood by me this whole time and my great friend Jeff, um, but that's how I felt in my spirit. So five years ago, I started down a path I got snared to. I was smoking weed and living for the next party. I was trying to dull any and every sense I could as a form of coping or being willfully deceived. I admit, not my brightest moments. Um, about three years into the darkness, so I, I just was on a fast track of just doing nothing. And that's how my life felt, like nothing was happening and I wasn't moving and nothing, it was just nothingness. I was so numb on the inside too. Um, but luckily, about three years into that darkness, uh, my dad and sister had just come back from a program called Be In Health. And I had obviously noticed the change and transformation in their lives. And they simply explained to me it was only by the power of the word of God that the Be In Health seminar promoted. And this was a huge change in our family dynamic. A lot of things shifted. It was quite amazing, like... Where's Natasia? Oh, there you are. Um, I, like, before they had come back, it was just me and my mom at home, and I was just doing the regular thing, just going to work, going who knows where, anywhere I could that wasn't home or where I should be, um, doing things I shouldn't be doing. And uh, when my mom and, or when my mom had a call from my dad, I noticed something had really changed in his voice. And that was something that had me questioning. And it was a quite amazing difference. And I never knew that that could happen. Like, it wasn't like he was bad or anything like that, you know. But there was a change and there was a lightheartedness that really impacted me. And so a few weeks, or yeah, about a few weeks later, they had come home and... They told me that it was an amazing time, and what Being Health does is they go through the Bible and they figure out spiritual roots to disease and to basically everything that could be afflicting us in this life. There's a root of where it starts and why it starts, and it's in the Bible. So let me find my notes off track. Um, so, so I noticed a change and transformation in their lives. Um, and it was by the power of the word of God. They explained to me how simple it was and how anyone could do it. That's when I saw my life and my spirit at a crossroads. I could see myself living for God or for lack of a better term, the kingdom of darkness or living for sin, perhaps. About a year and a half later, I had the great opportunity to actually go to be in health with my mom and sister. And... I can't describe to you how the crossroads felt, but I could see myself going down two different paths in my life. And God kind of opened up my eyes to this where I saw my life if I followed sin and I saw my life if I follow God. And it was all still blurry because my mind was not fully intact, honestly. Uh, there was a lot of things clouding it. Like smoking weed every day, bad. It's bad for your mind. It really, and it's obvious to say, but when you're there and when you're doing it, you don't realize how clouded you are. You, all of your judgment and all of your feelings are gone. You only feel one thing, 
and that's being high. So I saw my life and my spirit at crossroads. Um, and about a year and a half later, I had the great opportunity of actually going to be in health with my mom and my sister. I had no idea what to expect still because I had decided to not set my expectations high. But I willfully went, quitting smoking the week of and trying to have a sobered mind during the seminar. Once we had arrived to the little town in Thomaston, Georgia, to my surprise, it had felt like the whole world was unaffected by our recent pandemic and quarantine lifestyle, which that truly helped me get my spirit into action because there was, and everybody felt this during the pandemic, but there was darkness and it felt like you didn't know what was gonna happen next with the world that we were living in. And so that was a contribution to how I was feeling in that time. But I knew that when I felt like everything was normal there, everything just might be all right, is what I thought to myself. And so, um, it was unaffected, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this was a breath of fresh air. As we walked through the program, I had the delight of learning the pathways to spiritual blocks. And there's many of them, but a big one is, uh, my mind's blanking, sorry. Maybe I wrote it down, that might help. Um, and I lost my place, dang it. Okay, I guess I didn't write it down, but there were the spiritual blocks I was having were the thoughts in my head holding me captive and believing true lies about myself and my character. Things like that I couldn't ever get out of where I was. And the enemy had me really wrapped up in the idea that I was hopeless and that I couldn't, I couldn't even see hope at that time. And that was a huge block for me because when you're in the mindset of everything is hopeless, how can you see hope? There was no hope to be seen. And so I, that's what I was going through and that's what I had to break off. Um, so when I arrived home, so this is after the program and I was actually completely changed. Like my entire life had come from darkness, being like depressed and feeling like there's nothing to, there's a whole new light. Like I felt, I felt lighter. Like there was weights and barriers taken out of my path and things lifted off of me and I felt like I could actually live for God. So when I arrived home, I found myself excited to become a doer of the word because the word was the main point of the whole seminar was to read the word and to apply it to your life. So to be a doer of the word and not just a spectator or listener, which I had done through that whole journey up until that point was I knew, I knew some of the word and I listened to it when I felt anxiety or fear, I'd listen to the word, but I would only sit from, you know, the, was it, the outside looking in, and I would just be a spectator, a listener. It didn't actually affect my heart and soul because I didn't know how to apply the word. 
So although I had my challenges going back and forth with my old ways, I found that God was victorious in my life and he had seen me through and set me free from my afflictions. Now let's get into the word and see what it says about itself. So, um, okay. So do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says, James 1.22. Okay, and then here's my thought. We want to be doers of the word so that we will not be deceived. It says clearly in the Bible, you'll be deceived if you're, if you're not doing the word. So we should do it. So your word is my lamp for my feet and a light on my path, Psalms 119, 105. And this verse really speaks to me because the word is a lamp for my feet. When I was not in the word, I had no path. There was no light on my path. It was complete darkness. I had no idea where I was gonna go next. And when I started to apply the word and let it change my heart and spirit, that's when I had light on my path and I knew where I needed to go. There was, it was clear as day. So the word will open you up to God's light and bring you into his, into his will for your life. So this next one is Philippians 2, 14 through 16. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault and in a warped and crooked generation, then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of, of life. Um, okay, and now here's another thing that I actually walked out after the program and I didn't, it, it was becoming clear to me, but it came more clear to me afterwards. So there was a filter I was looking through of unsatisfaction and a looming feeling depressing my senses in my spirit. Because, okay, so, and as we just read in the word, or read, the word is life and life altering. And so, I, it took me a while to figure this out, like my perspective in the filter, like Faith had prayed during worship, which is cool, um, that we get to have and I felt like I had a second chance and a third chance to have God alter my filter and the way I was looking and the way I was seeing life. And so, and that scripture kind of describes how I was only is saying to do everything without grumbling. I was doing everything with grumbling and you know, we can go back and forth, but um the next scripture I wanna share is Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Um, let's just keep that there for a minute. <laughs> okay. The word of God is active and has completely activated my life in multiple ways. It has renewed my mind and body more than any routine of good eating and fitness. Although those are good things, the fruit of the word is sharp and will sharpen your spirit 
and your mind if you so let it. So, yeah, let's go to the next scripture. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All scripture is God-breathed, and it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And kind of what this scripture speaks to me is, if you're reading the scripture and you're actually learning from it, you're being taught by the word, and you'll be equipped for doing work for the kingdom. If you are not reading the scripture and you have no knowledge, you're not equipped properly to do work for the kingdom. It becomes hard, it becomes laborious, laborious, you know. Um, And it becomes unsatisfying, it becomes not fun. And so you want to be equipped with how the scripture equips us. So this scripture is why it's important to know the word in its entire form so that we may be thoroughly equipped for one, teaching, two, rebuking, three, correcting, four, training in the way of righteousness. Um, The importance of the word is so that we won't be deceived and that we won't that in that we would be doers of the word. At every point, or everyone at points and times has not been a doer, but just a spectator. And my question is, is that you right now? If so, know that you are not the only one guilty. I was guilty of this too, and I am still. It's a process, but it's something that I'd like to catch in my spirit and in my life before it gets out of hand. We all have our good days and our bad days, but the importance of this is that we catch ourselves before we slip into a routine of this behavior or even a routine of any sort for that matter. We want to be available to the Holy Spirit and the understanding of the word and what it says, right? The complexity of the word is simple but firm. How can we become more involved with the word? That's a genuine question because I would say reading the word is how you become more involved, but even more than that is doing the word, like I've said multiple times. And then it seems to me that the answers lay in the word itself and that we shall live the word and eat of its fruits at any chance we get. And for the final verse I'd like to read is actually the verse of be in health and why it's called be in health. And so it's uh, 3 John 1, 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. And that is it. That's all I got. Good job, buddy. Thanks. Good, good job. All right, I have one question. You guys give me some time to share? I have a pretty big message with all of us. So, well, I'm gonna do it anyway, so you're free to leave if you want. Um, so tonight, I don't know if you've noticed the theme. If you didn't, I'll tell you. Um, the 
theme that the boys and I got together and talked about was his ways versus our ways. There's no, I'm gonna be very transparent and honest with you, there's no in between anymore. It's just not gonna fly anymore for what's going on in the world, what's happening, what's transitioning. It's just, it's not. Um, so you notice that we keep talking about being health. No, it's not a cult. It's a, it's a wonderful ministry in Georgia. Um, like Josiah said, it goes over the scripture and that's it. That's all it does. It's scripture based and it goes to spiritual roots. One of the examples is to go over fear. And the original text, I teach the young people and I tell them that the only real version that we're gonna read out of is King James or New King James because it's the closest thing we're gonna get to the original text. Um, in the original text, it says, for I did not give you a spirit of fear. Just pause on that for a second. So when you feel afraid, do you think that's really you and what God intended you to be like? Just, just think about that. That verse is 2 Timothy 1.7. I'll repeat the whole thing now. For I did not give you a spirit of fear, but of what? My young people should know this. Yeah. Sound mind. We have power and authority because that's what Jesus gave us when he went to go be with the Father. We have love, unconditional love. We have love that only we can spread to the world through his ways, not our ways. If you try to do it on your own way, yes, you can do it, but it's not gonna be in the right frame of reference and the way that God created us and intended us to live like. Um, and so, and he gave us a sound mind. That's peace of mind. Jesus, when, this, when it was storming out in the boat, the disciples were freaking out, and he just got up. He said, ye of little faith. We're supposed to have peace in what's going on today in the world, not the opposite. We're not to conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. I don't know the actual address to that, but you can look it up. Um, and so the main verse that we, we had tonight, I have lots of verses I'm gonna go over with you, but the main one, the one I really want you to ponder and think about and pray about is Isaiah 55, eight through 11. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. When we try to do things our way, we live way down here. I'm gonna be very honest and transparent with you. I'm gonna tell you in a second why. I have two scriptures to back that up. That's what I teach them. If you're gonna claim it, have an address and scripture for it. When you live down here, you can't, you can't go far. You just, you won't. Maybe you're a successful business person. Cool, that's cool. But if you believe in the kingdom of God, you're more than that. You're a leader. Hebrews, I think it's 13, 17 says, for submit yourselves to your elders for they have to give an account someday on judgment day. As a leader, if you're just a worldly leader, you don't think about that. So you have the excuse to be mean. You have the excuse to be, say what you want and do what you want. There's no accountability with that. But if you believe in the kingdom, the hierarchy of the kingdom, the values and hierarchy of the kingdom, you live by a different set of standards and you're set aside and you're set apart to be more than what the world can really 
just grasp. They can't grasp more than that. We're not, first and foremost, we are not, this is just our mobile home. That's all this is. Stay with me, please, okay? There's a lot, we have a lot of ground to cover. This is just our mobile home. Think about that. When this dies, you're not gonna have your shirt, you're not gonna have your pants, your shoes, whatever, for me, shorts. You're not gonna have that. It's gone. But then you have to think about eternity and where you're gonna spend it. I'm telling you this. Because not only tonight do I believe that things are gonna get cast out, but at the same time, there's gonna be generational curses that break off. And if you don't believe in that, I'm sorry, I have bad news. Go read Exodus 25, or chapter 20, verse five. It talks about generational curses and the iniquities will go to your fourth and so on generations. It's not just about you anymore. It's not. It's not just about what you want, and I'm telling you this because I'm gonna get into a little bit of my testimony. Most of you know my testimony. I was very self-centered. I met with a man that I adore with my heart who's somewhere else now, and he said, he started crying, and he looked at me, and I said, I'm, I'm, the very thing I was praying for over you actually finally happened, and he said, I was praying that you wouldn't become narcissistic because I was very narcissistic. I wanted what I want, and I would go get what I want. I would take it by force. Now, the passion with that is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But it should be aimed somewhere else. It should be aimed higher than what you set your sights on. It should be what God wants you to do. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what it's all about. So one of the things, I'm gonna go through my notes now. One of the things the enemy does through his kingdom is meteorize you spiritually and psychologically. I'm gonna explain what that means here in a second. Meteorize is the key word. It's to occultism. It's changing and filtering and changing things that aren't truth. That's what occultism is. It's not just what Ray Lynn experienced. It's something else too. It's changing the scripture, manipulating it for man-made doctrine. That's what occultism really is. It's changing it to fit your views, what you want, and to have people come underneath you and follow that. And it's bad. Um, It's like, Fluffing of thought with no purpose for it, racing minds, confusion, doubt, unbelief, debate, argument, division, heresies, idolatries. Coming out of meteorizing of the human mind and the human spirit that you would be removed from the simplicity of the gospel. When you allow yourself to go through a racing mind, confusion, doubt, the Bible's very transparent about that. James talks about it. For you are double-minded and you're unstable in all your ways. But also, too, more importantly, it takes away from the simplicity of the word of God. It really takes that away. The gospel's not complex. It's very simplistic. But you, as a person, as a spirit, soul, and body, you have to chase after that and read that. That is more important than what I have to say or what anyone else has to say in this congregation is the word of God. What we're doing and what the young people and I have all partnered together to do with the Holy Spirit is the very basis of our core is the word of God, nothing else. I'm not bagging on prophecy or anything, but I'm telling you, the word of God first If you're way over here and you're on to the mystic, you're just gonna be in the mystic and you're gonna be double-minded in all your ways. I'm gonna be very transparent. Maybe you can quote a few scriptures, cool. But knowing the word of God, 
living, like Josiah said, doing the word of God. That's what it's all about. Because naturally, like John the Baptist, you will go out and you will see miracle signs and wonders if you follow and do the word and what it says. It's not performance. It's not that. It's not what I'm saying. You're not performing to get anything. God already gave you all of it. You have it. You have a, you're sitting on a gold mine. I'm telling you this because some of you know the testimony. I'm going to college and I've had young people come to me with 666 tattooed on their side and tell me they just need a hug. It's not me. That's the presence of God that flows through me. There's no judgment that comes off of me with those people. So for me, what I heard when I was praying about this is God saying, my word is not a debate because you cannot debate truth. Truth is not relative. Truth is absolute because he is God who is truth. Jesus set aside all the arguments. So a lot of Pharisees and Sadducees argued about who Jesus was. We all know the stories with that. And there was a maze of arguments that came. But the simplicity of the words of Jesus, if you try to build who you are on anything more than this, I'm gonna share a scripture with you that Jesus really emphasized. Without this foundation, you will be meteorized. You will be double-minded. You will be unstable, easily captured by the wind of doctrine. I'm gonna pause there for a second. It's not about doctrine anymore. It's not. It's about the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what God, the word, came to do. God the Father sent God the Word to come, and after he left us, he gave us the Holy Spirit. You will be easily confused, and here's another important part of this, and those who come in contact with you will be confused also. Not only will you be double-minded in all your ways, but also too, you will, Romans 13, I forget the exact address, you will cause your brother or sister to stumble if you are not eating and breathing and digesting the word of God on a daily basis. It's not religion, it's not performance, it's called realism and truth. It's what it is. God the word came back through prophets and as man to tell us what we should strive to be like. It's not about you anymore. If you wanna be like that, the world is right outside there and I'm sure they'll accept you. I'm being very harsh, but I'm being very truthful with this because, well, first I'm gonna finish because there is some good news, I promise you that. Because you will be speaking out of confusion, speaking out of debate. How many of us debate amongst ourselves? I know I've been there. I've been there, it doesn't matter. The word of God is the only thing that matters. The truth with love, love with truth, that's all that matters, guys. But you can't know the truth without love and you can't share the truth with, or I think I had that backwards, but you get what I'm saying. If you have too much truth and no love, you're, you, are, you will be legalistic. I know that, I've experienced that in my own life. And if you have love with no truth, guess what? You have sloppy agape and you're all over the place. You accept anyone who, everyone who walks through those doors to be a leader. Which Timothy, 1 Timothy 3, I won't get into that, but that'll tell you some things that you should look at as to be a leader. And you'll be speaking out of argument. We don't have time to argue and squabble amongst each other anymore. That time is dead, it really is. 
It really is. It's time to come together. I'm going to share why. When I went to Georgia in this wonderful ministry, I'd shared something with them. I didn't go for miraculous healing. I didn't, I didn't really have anything like I needed to get healed of as far as physical ailments. But what I needed was to see God's face. I needed to experience him. I needed to feel, again, what the word of God felt like. And on that first day that I felt it, when I gave my heart to the Lord. When I went there, I kid you not, and I'm not exaggerating this, through the word of God, people's tumors fell off their bodies. People were delivered. Grown men's hands were shaking in the air because God was so thick in the room. Not because of what I'm doing and shouting, but because of the fact that the word of God was just read to them. That's all it is. That's all it is. And then we had the, the, we had the pleasure of doing a Friday night service with them at the end of the program. And we got to dance and worship. I kid you not, I saw a two-year-old and it makes me bawl my eyes out because you finally see the Lord and what he's doing in all the glory. I saw a two-year-old that doesn't have a clue, but really does have a clue, run up to the front and dance and twirl for Jesus. I'm gonna get a little transparent. How many of us are willing to do that? But a two-year-old little girl can do that. A girl who has no clue hasn't experienced life or any of that, just wanted to worship God. That's all she wanted to do. Some of us in this room tonight, myself included, need to be a little bit more transparent and more driving home worship in our lives. Because when you worship, you're celebrating in defeat or in victories. You're declaring and you're putting your foot in the ground saying, I know who my God is. This situation is not gonna overtake me. For as Memphis said, for I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil for your staff and your rod, they comfort me. So the simplicity of the filter that Jesus said was in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. If you guys wanna write it down, I can repeat it again. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord God, with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto thou shall love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments, hang, somebody say something? Oh, I thought I heard something. Um, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So there's a word in there I'm gonna highlight real quick. Shall. Folks, when it says shall, that's not even a suggestion. It's not. Could we make it simple that when the word of God says something, it's not a multiple choice answer? There's not A, B, C, D. There's A and B, God's kingdom or Satan's kingdom. It's not your kingdom. It's God's kingdom or Satan's kingdom. What he's also saying is love him with every fabric of your creation. Who you are as a spirit being, thinking, psychological being, mind, emotion, will, and you shall serve him with every bit of your strength and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You cannot love your neighbor if you do not love thy Lord God with all your heart and all your soul. Because when you love him, 
and he's all you seek, you're able to see things in people that the world doesn't see in people. You're able to call things out in those people and say, come on, follow me. There's a whole world I wanna show you. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying the foundation of everything the law established, everything the prophets have ever, uh, ever said or will say since the spirit of prophecy is the revelation of Jesus Christ first, who is the spoken word, living word of the living father of all spirits. But in, in the end, it's a choice. There's only two kingdoms again, God kingdom, God's kingdom and Satan's kingdom. I'm gonna give you an address of God's kingdom. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Some of you I know feel like you don't really have a purpose in this life. I'm here to tell you the good news of Jesus Christ that you do. You are a member in particular. The Bible said it, I didn't say it. You have a purpose Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper and succeed to give you hope and a future. Think about that. There may be something that you're fearful to do, and I'm kind of veering off for a second. There may be something that you're afraid to do. I say just do it. Let the words of Paul's letters to Timothy, for I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Let those words flow through the living water of the word of God and just do it. Well, there's this, there's that. No, it's not a multiple choice answer. If he's calling you to do it, just do it. Satan's kingdom. There's a verse on this too. Romans 6, 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. It's not saying be perfect. It's saying striving not to be a part of the body of sin. So what I really am challenging with us tonight is what are we guiding our time with? Are we guiding our time with sports? Are we guiding our time with useless information? What? I'm not saying none of that's bad. I'm saying the problem is, is that we, we put God, we're like, God's number one on our list. No. No, he's not a number. He should be all through it and all around it and all in it. Not a number. He's not the number, he's the whole thing. My list is my wife, my son-to-be, my ministry and my relationships, but God flows all through that. How I lead as a father and a husband will determine, basically, so what I'm saying is, I have to give an account for how I lead my home. If I'm wishy-washy and saying, yes, we can watch this, it's not that bad, it really is. Let's be honest here. There's plenty of verses on that with what you see. It does have an effect on you. So I'm going to read out of Hebrews chapter 5, 12 through 14. <clears throat> Excuse me. For when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. 
For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full of age, even those by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. I'm gonna talk about discernment pretty soon here. Full of age doesn't mean like age. It means, what is it? Uh, spiritually mature. There we go. I was looking for the right words. It's time to really get out of this milk and honey. And it's time to get in the solid foods of the gospel. But I'm gonna be very honest with you. and I've, I know this, and I have authority to speak on this because I'm living it and I'm doing it in my own private life. The only way you're gonna get the solid food and strong meat is by reading the word of God and praying to the Father and spending time with him and not leaning on your own understanding, but trusting him in all his ways. So I have six points and then I have a closing and then we're done, okay? Just bear with me, okay? Is that okay? Do I have some more time? Okay. <clears throat> so reading the Bible because it contains God's will for our lives. There is no Bible verse that explicitly tells us what profession to pursue, where to live, or whom to marry. It doesn't tell us that but its exhortations, guidelines, commandments, and encouragement gives us very concrete and infallible insight to God's will for us in every aspect of our life. You do get a choice. It's called free will. But there are some guidelines, commandments, encouragements, exhortations that you should follow when you're seeking after these things, when you're seeking out a spouse, when you're seeking out ministry, a job, a career. What is God calling you to do? Just let him bless it. I finally, out of my life, you know most of my story, I finally got out of the boat. And I finally actually took the step to go to school. And now I have liberal and democratic professors writing me letters of recommendation saying the very presence of Chris changes the atmosphere of the room to encourage his fellow students to be better. That is not me, that is God. When you put limitations on our creator, it's pretty insulting to him. I'm gonna be very transparent. He can do anything. He can intervene when he wants. He can do whatever he wants. He is the creator of all things. So again, like what I say, and I back it up with scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 tells Christians to give thanks in all circumstances because this is the will of God. God's plan for our lives includes us exercising gratitude no matter what situation we found ourselves in. That is one of the will of the Father. That's just one of them. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing of your faith, you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. 2 Peter Three, chapter three, verse nine. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. As some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. That last word there, repentance, is the key. The will of the Father is to repent. It's to cast all your junk out and just repent for it. Bear with me again, I know it's late, Okay. Oh yeah, we gotta do offering. We'll do that at the end, Mike. Thank you. Thanks for reminding me. <clears throat> Point number two, why we should read the Bible. 
The Bible is our nourishment. Imagine you go a day without eating, a week, perhaps a month, etc. As time goes on, you become weaker and weaker. If our bodies need nourishment, then so does our spirit. I would even say, first, your spirit needs it. Then that trickles into your soul, which is your mind. Then, then you get motivated to do that for your body, a.k.a. your mobile home. I just had to throw that in there, sorry. Matthew 4.4. 4. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's like Memphis Red, Matthew 6.25. He will supply all your needs. He will. The birds get it, the grass gets it, the world gets it, the creatures in the world get it. If he supplies their needs, he will definitely supply your needs. I see you, Mike. I know you're leaving. <laughs> I can call him out with that because he's my spiritual father and I love him to death. So. <laughs> like Josiah stated from Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. It will heal your body. I've seen it. I've experienced it firsthand. And is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. I'm gonna give you a little definition of what discernment means. Discernment in the Bible is the spiritual characteristic of sound judgment for perceiving the difference between right and wrong, white, <laughs> good and evil, truth and error, and identifying God's will and direction for his people. Discernment is necessary to understand spiritual truth. Live holy, you know, holy as God intends. Avoid life's pitfalls and dangers and properly govern society. When you have discernment, you will lead. People will see that and they'll follow after you because they see the Father in you. As humans, it is natural to seek our own, which is Philippians 2.21. But it isn't easy for us to discern between good or bad and bad. Our natural judgments are often tainted by our own bitterness, accusation, possible occultism, envy and jealousy, rejection, unloving, and a spirit of fear. That is the filter we go through without God's word. When we don't filter it and we, we don't let God's word filter our hearts and cleanse our minds, that's what we can get into and operate off of. 2 Corinthians 10.5, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I'm gonna talk about obedience too in here. I got a lot, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna get through this with you guys, I promise. 1 John 4.1, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. This is why the old text is so important. It is spirits. It's not your thoughts. I'm going to tell, be very transparent. I did a whole week, 40 hours plus with learning about that. It's not your thoughts. It could be a spirit that's attached to you. And if you really want to know about it, go read through the book of Matthew because it talks about when a spirit gets cast out, it goes to the dry place and it does not want to go to the dry place. It really does not. It'd rather stay on you and operate through you. I'll give you an example. Um, have you ever been in an argument with your spouse, or don't raise your hand, but with your spouse or your friend, or, and you say something, 
And then later on, or the person says something later on, then you say something and be like, that really hurt my feelings. And then the person says, I don't remember saying that. Have you ever thought that maybe that was a spirit, an evil spirit talking out of that person? So just think about that. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God for many false prophets have gone out into the world. That's why discernment's important. 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are fully to him, folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Matthew 10.16, behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. This is one of my favorite verses. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. It's not telling you to be a serpent. It's telling you to be as wise and discerned serpents that are coming at us as a body of Christ. We have to discern that. And it's not the person. Again, I wanna really drive that point home. It's not a person. It's a spirit there in the person. And we are called to cast that out. Jeremiah 23, 29. It's not my word like fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces. God's word cuts through all of those spiritual roots. It separates all, out all self-seeking in our lives and determines what is the truth and what is righteousness. It is powerful and full of authority. And that authority is given to you as people. No matter how low you think you are to the world or how high you think you are, All authority is given to us. But it's time to start carrying that out. We can't can't sit around and play patty cake anymore. I know it's hard. It's late. I get it. I'm tired too. But we got to stop putting a cap on what God can really do and allow him to flow through all of us and share with us and get up here and speak and share what God's doing in our lives. Number four, it instructs us in righteousness. Again, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The word of God equips you. The Bible contains all instruction we need to come to life of true purity and righteousness. In fact, uh, Sorry, I just lost my notes. Um, In fact, a leader should be striving to attain. What should a leader should be striving to obtain? Again, it's in 1 Timothy 3. I encourage you as a father, a daughter, a mother, whatever, you're a leader, it doesn't matter. Go read 1 Timothy chapter 3. Go read the whole thing. I encourage you. Um, So... Sorry, I'm losing my notes here. Teaches us how we can follow Christ in truth. It contains people all over the place and some of them being the lowest of the low and how they followed instructions by God's word. God's word called people out. Jesus was God's word. God the word. So I'm almost done. Can I, can I go just a little bit longer? Is that okay? Okay, I promise, I promise. My closing's very fast. I'll be very, yeah. Number five, it contains power to overcome. Let me grab, I have my two Bibles here. Um, 
I know, I'm that guy. Um, it contains power to overcome. When we've made the firm decision to serve God with our whole being and refrain from sinning against him, we still experience temptations. Jesus himself experienced it when he went on to do the Sermon of the Mount. But when you understand that the temptations aren't your own thoughts, those aren't you, you are not evil, you are not disgusting, you're none of that. It's not what God created you to be like. In fact, even in Ezekiel, I don't know the exact address, but even Lucifer was created perfect until iniquity was found in him. He, didn't, he did not intend us to be like this, but I'm not gonna go into spirit world realities and go into that, that's a whole nother teaching. Um, but when we get drawn away from him, we become enticed by our own lust and desires. Then we are still serving Satan's kingdom. It is James 1, chapter 1, verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. The wages of sin are death. Staying in the word, staying locked arms of believers, brothers and sisters, is the key to overcoming what the world is gonna throw at you and what all these evil spirits are gonna throw at you. Can't do it on your own. I'll tell you that straight up. You just can't. You need to get plugged into a body, whether it's our body or some, some other body. It's getting plugged in and standing firm with believers in Christ and going and locking arms. It's clear from the scriptures that Satan makes use of these natural lusts and desires. He comes in through the doors that we have opened to tempt us to disobey God's will by offering things that appeal to us naturally. Honor, riches, and self-satisfaction. He even tempted in Jesus, again, we know that. But if you remember, each temptation that Jesus faced, he countered every counterattack, and every single counterattack was God's word. It was God's word. My last point, and then I have my closing. You guys are doing so great. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> the Bible, and this is the best one too. When, you build your, when you've built your foundation on rock and not sand, this last pillar that's so important with the Bible is it's full of God's promises for your life. He has so many things for you. So many things that I can't even dream of in my own life. So many things in my own heart, in my own life, I've experienced. Revelation 2.7, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. You see, folks, there is almost an infinite number of promises made to those who live according to God's will. When you pick up your Bible, it will tell you all the promises, but you must have obedience mixed in there. You can read it. I know someone who could quote scripture left and right, who was a really good friend of mine and ended up, Jack knows the story because Jack experienced it through coffee because it was a spirit that was attached to him of religion. He knew scripture. The spirit of religion knows scripture. It does. Evil spirits know scripture. The devil actually probably knows scripture better than us. I'm gonna be very transparent and honest because he distorts the scripture through occultism. Again, sorry, I have so much I wanna teach you guys and walk through with you, but so little time. Um, okay, so, sorry, I lost my train of thought again. 
Not performing, that's, again, it's not about performance, but his ways, not your ways. First Samuel 15, 22. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying in the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifices. You can go and clean out your house of all junk and crap. Like you really can. I've done it multiple times and I end up buying it again. But the thing is, is obedience is more important than sacrifice because that shows, that's the difference between Saul and David. Saul, the reason why this verse, and I'll give you a little background because I love the history of the Bible. Saul, Samuel gave Saul specific instructions. The Lord came over to Samuel and Samuel gave Saul specific instructions saying, go kill this entire village and destroy everything. Saul did not. He took a king and he took some possessions and he sacrificed some oxen. Well, it's not good. When God gives us specific instructions, it's not a multiple choice answer. It's Jesus even said, let your yeses be yeses and your noes be noes. So I'm gonna give you Deuteronomy 28. You can go read that on your own. You have plenty of blessings there, but you also have plenty of curses that can come over us too. We're not susceptible to that, or we are, sorry. <clears throat> but 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confessing our sins to one another is another key point that I want you to take away from this. I'm not gonna go on. I'm gonna close now. Because <clears throat> I have lots more scripture. Yeah, we'll do offering soon, Mike. I promise. Um, yeah, it's getting late. Sorry. So in our next chapter, we do have a moral burden to bear. That is the adventure of our life with God. And I'm gonna get a little emotional with this because the Lord is here. And I know it's late. And again, I know you're tired. I understand. But what's so interesting about the Abrahamic story is that God calls Abraham out of his luxurious slumber and sends him into catastrophe, tyranny, starvation, war. But he has the adventure of his life. You might say that it's the adventure of the life that justifies the catastrophe of your life. It's not some simple-minded juvenile hedonism, which is the pursuit of pleasure. That's not what we're built for. We are built for the adventure God calls us out into. And where do you find that? You find that with orienting yourself to the highest possible good that is Jesus Christ and telling the truth forthrightly along that pathway. That's how we do it. I don't believe any one of you don't have a significant calling in your life. I don't believe that because the word of God says otherwise. But you have to allow him to call you out. We're Americans, so we get to live a luxurious lifestyle. We are. We are blessed and entitled with that. But you have to let him pull you out of that and take you on a journey with the Father and where he wants to take you. <clears throat> the thing is, is you're all in anyway. So regardless, this is gonna kill you, right? At the end, you're gonna die. So really, that's the, that's the truth. Why not play the most magnificent game you can play? Do it. It's going to kill you regardless. That is part of the mobile home. Okay? So I'm gonna call my ushers up. Uh, Faye, yeah, Nathan, Ariana, 
Gabrielle. Uh, did I call you as an usher? Okay. Um, Faith and Joe, Jeff and James, get up here. So right now I'm calling, we're doing an altar call for repentance. I know we're young and we may have not lived as long as life as you yet, but, oh, before we start, actually, ushers, will you do offering? (laughs) Sorry. So, as the ushers are going around doing offering, I want you to really take a moment and pray with the Father. Are you serving his ways or are you serving your ways? And if you're serving your ways, I encourage you to come up here and repent of that and let the Lord set you free. And yeah, so... Thank you for bearing with us as we go through this new chapter. And yeah, you're free to go or come up and get prayed for. It's up to you. If you were inspired by today's message, be sure to hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. For more information about The Loft, or for gathering times and locations, you can check out our website at www.theloftnw.org or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us again next time.